0: It's Scary Parachutes Wednesday, November 6, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and by here with me, I mean like right across from me. It is 1.48 a.m. We're still inside New York's Madison Square Garden, inside Dressing Room 1, where I'd like to imagine John Lennon sat once upon a time. We just watched the Champions Classic and, and a bit of a surprise, the lower-ranked team slash underdog. One each game. In the opener, it was number four, Duke 68. Number three, Kansas 66. And we're going to get to that game momentarily, but I want to start with the nightcap where it was number two, Kentucky 69. Number one, Michigan State 62. Time is those Spartans. They got 62 of the 65 first-place boats in the preseason Associated Press Poll, but they start the season 0-1. Norlander focusing on the second game. Are you surprised not only that Michigan State lost, but – Kentucky controlled that game basically from the opening tip to the final buzzer. Look at us. Who
1: would have thought you and me right here right now? He thinks he's a not me.
0: He thinks he's that thing. Yeah, you think you're Paul Rudd.
1: There we go. Not me. No way. Actually,
0: I I, I did. I actually (laughs) knew we'd be there. I I knew knew we'd be here.
1: (laughs) I know this is exactly where we would be. This is exactly what would happen inside room one was. By the way, there's no shot. John Lennon was ever here. Taylor Swift, maybe. But there's been many remodels and renovations to the garden, so I don't think John Lennon was ever in in this. But you know what? Fine, I'll Kanye. Leave. Fine. Kanye?
0: Maybe Kanye West has been here before. Potentially. F- fine, Norlander. I'll leave here and I'll go straight to the Dakota building. Okay. I will be in the <laughs> no. presence of a place where John Lennon was. I know he, w- I know he was at the yeah, Dakota you're building. You're
1: not going to the Dakota building at 3am with all the freaks. That's not happening here. Alright, games. Michigan State losing the way it did. Surprising. Um, even though each game wasn't over the top entertaining at least they were relatively close with Michigan State and I'll get to Maxie in Kentucky in a second here um, I don't think this is some grant and we're not going to overreact I promise you I'm not overreacting on this pod tonight
0: you, I might I don't know you might go there I might since so it's we're this cr- late we're on 2 a.m. <laughs>
1: I guess anything's possible um, Michigan State didn't play as well as I thought it would offensively it wasn't as effective and efficient as I thought it would be now some of that was Cassius Winston I mean, he got into foul trouble. They had to take him off the floor. We had to see what we got to see what Rocket Watts could or couldn't do. But going up against that Kentucky defense was obviously an issue. And then, um, you, you know, just a few too many threes did not fall. But they did. They did cut it close. And then the homie, Tyrese Maxey, two point game, takes a three from Trey Young, Steph Curry range, buries it.
0: And we had a straight line view yeah. of that and it was good like I elbowed you the second it left his hand it was so obviously good the moment it left his hand
1: it was really first of all Tyrese Maxey saved the night can we be honest about this he was great he was great and, and
0: great even though he wasn't great in the exhibitions which is among the reasons he came off the bench in Kentucky's two exhibitions he gets a total of 21 points 14 and one seven in the other and then goes gets 26 in the season opener against the top-ranked team in the country.
1: Yeah, and even John Calipari said after the game, uh, I asked him, you know, basically about Maxie's playing in this environment, and said he, you know, he had scored as much uh, as just about any freshman under Cal. Uh, Terrence Jones actually has the record with 28 points uh, in his debut. But Cal said, "That's the kid that I recruited. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that Tyrese Maxie since he got to campus. Now, part of that's because he goes up against Ashton Hagens in practice every single day, and even Cal was like." You know, Maxie's worn down by Haggins, but he's still he's always got a smile on his face like he's never mad at it. He's just he's got this incredible resolve to him. We saw that tonight. GP when I was watching Maxie go to work in the second half, it, like it really looked like it was a senior out there. It would the the amount of offense they ran through him. They put the ball in his hands and Kentucky's going to be dangerous because quickly or Haggins or Maxie can all have the ball in their hands. And I think that's uh, something that's a stark contrast from, say, Kansas, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, great. Great thing for Champions Classic, where we had all this buzz about one, two, three, and four. The games weren't great. And then, weirdly, as we were talking, like, would this be the Champions Classic that would prove to not have a top 10 NBA pick? Well, there's I, I, I'd, one, Tyrese Maxey's not going to be Quentin Grimes. We're not going to get what happened last year when Grimes went off and had like 28, right. and then that was the best game he had of his career. Uh, Maxey seems like the very much the real deal, plays great at both ends of the floor, long, strong, great shooter. Can't say enough good things about him. If you're a Kentucky fan, obviously, this is super inspiring because there's a, um, Nate Sestina, my guy.
0: He played well. Ray Bucknell. Ray Bucknell.
1: I mean, sure, that too. But uh, Maxie was the story overall. Um, and, you know, nice kid, humble kid. I just I couldn't be more impressed with how he played. And so, yeah, now Kentucky's... Kentucky looked the best of any of these teams. I don't know if there really is a true number one in college basketball right now with the, after what we saw, but Maxi, um, I think it's fair to say, owned the night in the sport.
0: Yeah, um, imagine you're a freshman. You're coming off the bench. He came off the bench. Mm-hmm. You come off the bench, and you're a freshman guard who comes off the bench, first game ever in the collegiate level. You're inside Madison Square Garden. You're in New York City because there's no way to be inside Madison Square Garden unless you're in New York City and you outplay the consensus preseason. If you think there's a way, explain it to me. (laughs) And then you outplay the consensus national player of the year in Cassius Winston. Yeah, Um, That's a big, big night. And I thought that was, frankly, the most interesting part of John Calipari's press conference. He said, that's who I recruited. The sniper that I saw in high school, and I hadn't seen him since then. He said, I'm walking around practice. Like, where is the guy I recruited? Your question led to, I thought, the most – uh, the most interesting comments from John afterwards, and um, he was happy. Like, it, 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 when you are relying as heavily as he is every year, including this year on first year guys, um, to be able to go win a game like this um, again, you're playing the preseason number one, and they didn't, Michigan State didn't play well, they didn't make shots, and Cassius Winston, yes, he picked up some fouls, but he played 32 minutes. He was on the court a lot, and you still handle them pretty much from 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 start to finish and Michigan State like made some runs in the second half like I was afterwards outside the Kentucky locker room talking to uh, Ellen Calipari and Megan Calipari John's wife and John's daughter because back to when they were at Memphis like I knew Megan when she was 4 yeah. you know so to see her now as an adult's kind of weird but uh, Megan said you know, the way the last 10 minutes of that game went down was the way she thought the entire 40 minutes would go. But it wasn't. Like, Kentucky controlled the whole first half, controlled most of the second half, and then held on. And if I'm John Calipari, that's what I'm most excited about. The number one team in the country with a veteran point guard and a Hall of Fame coach, that team came at you down the stretch, and you you held them off and then you extended the lead, and you were able to just make free throws in yeah. the final minute to win it. Really impressive stuff.
1: Very impressive. And Maxie did give credit to Higgins, who we called the Bulldog. Um, Winston was one of seven from three. Winston didn't have a horrible game. It was just it was a just-okay game, um, but we saw what a really strong defense is capable of doing. Now, I understand Michigan State still isn't at full strength overall, um, but, man, that Kentucky defense was – Really inspiring because I don't even think they played an A game. I think they were they were strong, consistent. Michigan State was able to come back and give some scares there overall, but uh, but there there wasn't enough opportunities for Tillman. I didn't think Aaron Henry had some bright spots, um, but. Uh, With Kentucky getting what it got from Maxie, Hagens was serviceable. Sestina came up, and and he was more impressive right off the bat in game one, Nate Sestina, than I thought he was going to be. Nick Richards got into foul trouble. That's still something he's got to curb. It showed up late in the game, which wasn't ideal. And then uh, even Calipari said, like, you know, with the young guys as expected, just they they need to get back. They need to get into the lab. Khalil Whitney, you know, decent first showing, but nothing too strong overall. Um it's it's a big stark turnaround though from a year ago when we were in Indianapolis and Duke gave Cal the statistically the worst loss of his career. Uh, come back a year later and it's just it's a different kind of Kentucky team. You like the fight there. I think the experience matters, and then you can throw in someone like Maxie. Like he is a dynamic, potentially program changing player. And I just GP I say that in these terms. Yes, people viewed Kentucky to be of championship Final Four caliber. And and we even said two or three podcasts ago when we talked about our all American teams, who would be the two or three most likely players not on that list to make us look silly at the end of the season? We brought up specifically Tyrese Maxey. Well, we
0: brought up specifically whoever is Kentucky's yes. best player because that guy is going to be an all American. You're yeah. the best player at Kentucky, you're going to be an all American. Um, and you know, and and Tyrese Maxey, even though he didn't look like it in the exhibitions, he looked like it. In, in this game, he looked like he, he he looked like so many other Kentucky play like they, they almost always have a guy who can just go get a bucket when you need him to get a bucket. Cal compared him afterward in some ways to Jamal Murray. Yes. who was an incredible scorer at the collegiate level has developed into a score in the NBA. It, it got to a point down the stretch where and, and the three point shot you referenced at the top. I mean that was just that was all him. It's not like some he came off a screen and somebody got in the ball. Like he was just he just had the ball and it was like like so many late shot clock situations when you've got a guy who's gifted. Okay, now it's on you. Like the rest of us don't really matter right now. Go score. And I don't know if every time he wants somebody pulling up from twenty five feet or wherever he was, but um, you know he he not only was Kentucky's best option in that moment for Tyrese Maxey to get a basket, he understood that the best option in that moment is for him to go get a basket. And when you got a first-tier guy coming off the bench who hasn't been good by all accounts in practice or the exhibitions to have that kind of confidence against the number 1 team on this stage, sold out Madison Square Garden, midtown Manhattan. I think that says something about it.
1: It's way impressive. I I I I can't overstate to have someone play his first college game in this environment on this kind of stage. He was completely confident he had these great runners and floaters I mean it wasn't just one kind of shot he was really a kind of all over the court um clearly the MVP of opening night now real quick on Michigan State before we get to before we get to the second game um this is the kind of game that'll drive Izzo nuts because uh you know you spend this game is unlike any other in that coaches the players they're working literally for months just to get to this point and you don't know what kind of team you're going to see and opening night can can prove you know devastating for plenty of time. I mean, we had nebraska get the floor wiped by uc riverside and we saw alabama upset by penn shouts to steve donahue so there were some
0: special shouts to steve donahue
1: without a doubt um so there are teams that are going to take some bad losses on opening night now this is a reasonable loss but for you with michigan state i guess what stood out to most to you most in this game parish uh good bad or otherwise because spartans fans you know they Preseason number one, first time in program history. You're looking forward to this game. You're thinking maybe we're going to be able to pick off Kentucky and really just kind of assert our dominance right away. We did not get that from Michigan State at all.
0: No. Um, And you know what? Like, if anybody's equipped to handle a tough loss early in the season, it's Tom Izzo in Michigan. They've been through this stuff, right? And even John Calipari said afterward, like, he's been on both sides of this to extreme degrees. Like, you know, big events like CBS Sports Classic and – and, and the Champions Classic, you know, he's beaten good teams by 30. He's lost to good teams by what he said felt like 60, yeah. specifically referencing last season. I think he said 68. <laughs> yeah, yes. we lost by 68 last season to Duke. It wasn't actually 68, but it did feel like it was um, 68. And so, listen, uh, guys like John and Tom, and really probably everybody in the building, they're equipped to deal with this. Like, if you think – what Any team in the building tonight can win a national championship, even the losing teams. And so I, I won't change my opinion much uh, about Michigan State. Uh, I'll drop them in the top 25 and one, obviously. But if you thought, you know, five hours ago that Michigan State was uh, the favorite in the Big Ten, and a legitimate national championship contender. I don't know why you would move too far all of, off of that after just 40 minutes. Uh, we know Cassius Winston's a special college basketball player. We know Xavier Tillman is a high-level college basketball player. We know what Tom has done throughout his career. Um, I, I will say, though, and and this is, again, not, not a big concern, but it it, it seemed obvious to me. The more talent the team was, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and it probably shouldn't be surprising. And Kentucky recruits at a higher level consistently than Michigan State does. But how often? Think about this for a second. Can you be the preseason number one team in the country according to almost everybody? Sixty-two of sixty-five um, uh, AP voters, according to Matt Norlander, according to me, according yeah. to Ken Palm, according to the coaches' poll, and you step out on the court for your season opener, and you don't have the bet. You don't have a better roster. Like, the other team's got better players than you. Might not be a better team than you, although Kentucky looked like the better team. That's why Kentucky won. Mm -hmm. But that's an interesting spot to be in. Preseason number one, favorite to win the national championship. But, man, the other team we're on the court with right now, they just got better players. Kentucky had better players. Kentucky played better. And that's a great recipe to win.
1: It was great. Uh, Michigan State did not have it from three-point range whatsoever. That was a departure from last season when Michigan State Ranked top 30 in the country and shot 38% from three. Um, They only hit five of 26 from deep. Uh, Xavier Tillman missed some critical minutes. You know, they're going to need more out of a player like Tillman, and they just didn't get it. Um, So, overall, you know, i want to move on and get to the next game because we are not staying in this room until (laughs) 2.45. I'm not leaving the garden at 3 (laughs) a.m., GP. But um, I guess my final takeaway on this was Kentucky was the most impressive team. Tyrese Maxey was by far the most impressive player. Um, You'll have the top 25 and one updated daily, obviously, going forward. And I would think Kentucky makes the most sense to be the number one team in those rankings as we spin forward. Uh, But with Michigan State, um, not much concern yet, because we're going to be talking about them in short order. They play they got to fly home, and they're going to fly back to the Eastern Seaboard next week. They play at Seton Hall on Thursday, November 14th. And so we'll get a, a clearer idea. And, you know, they're going against Miles Powell and the Pirates there, so we'll see what we get from them. But, uh, you know, let's, let's hold off on, on saying Michigan State wasn't the deserving number one team in the preseason. I still don't know if that's necessarily the case. They just got caught in an off night by one of the best performances, literally, in the history of Kentucky basketball by a freshman.
0: And so you look at the schedule now. And, by the way, the updated Ken Palm ratings – Michigan State still 0 and 1. I mean still number 1. At 0 and 1. Yeah, at 0 and 1. I wonder how many times a team with a losing record has been number 1 at Kenpom. <laughs> that can't be that can't be too
1: common. No, I mean, you might get it occasionally after the first game in a given season, but really even that's not common because up until the past 2 years, Champions Classic has not been, you know, when these teams have been playing if they've been at the top but So yeah. Michigan
0: State still number 1 at Kenpom, 0 and 1 record and to your point uh they got Seton hall next week. That's I mean that's tough. I mean, that's Miles a,
1: Powell dropped like twenty-seven. Yeah, no, Miles no Powell. No idea gre- who Seton Hall played, but I know he played
0: well. <laughs> yeah, he, he got a bunch of buckets. I don't know. I don't know if it was an official. How many
1: guesses would it take us to guess correctly who Seton Hall played? Well, twenty. We're not going to go through this right now. I mean,
0: I can look. I can tell you right now, they played Wagner. Wagner. They're dealing with Wagner. Okay. 105-71 victory over Wagner. Miles Powell got big uh, buckets. And so that'll be a fun game next week. Two preseason first-team All-Americans uh, squaring off against each other. And it it's like this wouldn't be the craziest. Both these things could end up being true. Michigan State could start the season 1-2 and two and still win a national championship. That's correct. Yeah, and um, I'm not predicting that, but it's certainly reasonable. So that's that. Michigan State loses as the preseason number one to Kentucky in the nightcap. The early game was Duke and Kansas. We're going to get to that in a moment, but first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com.
1: The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
0: So the early game uh, wasn't number one versus number two, but it was number three versus number four, so that's terrific by any normal standard, and... Um, In a bit of a surprise, I guess, especially considering Kansas was leading by nine points with less than 15 minutes to play, Uh, Duke closes strong and wins 68-66, the big number that uh, jumped out of the box score that if you were watching the game, you knew something wasn't right. Kansas, 28 turnovers, 23 field goals, 28 turnovers, 28 turnovers in a 40-minute basketball game? If you're Bill Self, you tell me the answer to this question. Okay. Are you furious because your team just turned it over 28 times in a 40-minute game, or are you encouraged because your team turned it over 28 times in a 40-minute game, and you still only lost by two to a top-five team coached by Mike Krzyzewski? Um, or both, both? No, 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 no I'm, not copping, be out, I'm both. not
1: copping out with a both answer. I hate when people do that. So Sometimes
0: both is the right answer.
1: Yeah. I, uh, Pick a lane and decide. (laughs)
0: Sometimes both is the right answer. Would you like a slice of pepperoni or a slice of sausage? Both. But you're going to
1: take a bite of one first, and what's it going to be?
0: Probably pepperoni. That's
1: right. So I think Bill Self should – this is a pepperoni type of loss, I guess. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, You lost me there first. Yeah, well, it's 2.05 a.m. So I would be more encouraged only because it's November, and if I was a head coach, I don't get completely psycho and lose my mind until about, you know, President's Day or whatever. When is President's Day? Isn't it like mid-January?
0: Why do we even have that? I don't know. It makes no sense.
1: We, we can't do this right now. <laughs> if it was 4.15 in the afternoon, I'd, I'd venture down that. I'm not going to get into this, okay? It's just not Well, listen, that's happen. your
0: homework assignment in advance of the next podcast. Figure out why we even do President's Day. Shouts to the presidents. <laughs> I don't feel like they need We're that. We're at 45 right now. so <laughs> I'm more <I'm> aware. <laughs>
1: okay, so I'm more encouraged only because it's early November, it's fixable. It's aberrational—28 turnovers in a game. That's just unreal. But here is a legitimately concerning part, and what I take away from the Kansas side of this: they quite clearly—and I don't know if this gets—I fi- don't know if you can fix this. They do not have a real backup point guard. When Dotson's off the floor, putting the ball in Marcus Marcus Garrett's hands does not seem to be. Um, a winning strategy. You know, Ochai Abaji's is like this power wing who can handle a little bit, but he's not really there. So without Dotson available, Kansas has a significant flaw and I think the turnover issue won't dissipate. So I, that that is one. And then two for me, and if you want to take Kansas, go with Duke, whatever you want to do. The other thing I noticed was I don't think that Doke Yudoka Azebuki, and Silvio De Sousa were on the floor at the same time tonight. They've got issues at the four and what they want to do if they want to try and play both bigs at once. David McCormick and Azebuki were on the floor uh, simultaneously. And there were some decent moments there. But to me, overall, at the four... They still have some problems. I thought Duke was able to exploit that, and I thought Vernon Carey overall had like a solid debut. Uh, obviously, not the best Duke uh, freshman on the floor, but I thought he held himself pretty well. But yeah, Kansas playing the way it did, I was actually pretty surprised. I thought Kansas was going to win this by eight to ten points. That wasn't even remotely the case. Not a disaster of a showing, but to me, it, like, legitimately surprising. Like I thought they could lose, but I didn't think they'd lose the way that they did.
0: Well. Yeah, I mean, I guess because you would never assume a team's going to turn it over 28 times, right? That's just not a normal thing in, in college basketball. And even if Kansas might have turnover problems throughout the season, um, that's so – they're not going to have it to that level um, too often. And uh, you mentioned Silvio De DeSosa playing for the first time since being – uh, suspended. I don't know what the technical term. was, suspended was it? Yeah, he was. Sus- yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, they, ruled, he ineligible. Was ruled ineligible. ineligible. Yeah, you yeah. know, inel- he was removed from basketball. Um, for, he looked like a guy who hadn't played in a long, long time. He only was on the court for um, a little more than seven minutes. Oh, of two from the field, he had uh, um, three points and just two rebounds. Basically, non-factor. A non-factor, right? So, Kansas has got some stuff to figure out. They almost always figure it out, but to me. Once you just sort of get past the twenty-eight turnovers in a forty-minute game, um, the most interesting thing was was Duke um, and the balance with which they played. Because I had had a coach mention this to me back in the off-season, like at USA Basketball, um, because there there's programs out there recruiting against Duke, and you know everybody's trying to you know sell an angle however you can sell it, and one of the Uh, observations this person had made was that if you look at Duke, they're constantly recruiting, you know, four five-star guys, five, five. They're trying to get, you know, Mm -hmm. and and yet in recent seasons, more often than not, um, everybody doesn't eat, you know, it's been like two guys go and get everything. And then everybody else is a role player. And so do you want to be a five-star prospect and go be a role player? They're not balanced there. Like last season, it was, Zion and RJ, and then, you know, Cam would pop up every once in a while or somebody else might have a nice game. But Cam and RJ were going to – I mean, RJ and Zion were going to get most of the stuff done. A few years ago, it was, if I remember correctly, Grayson Allen and Brandon Ingram went and got everything, and then, you know, everybody else was a role player. And yet, in this one, it it wasn't like that at at all. Trey Jones got a, a team high of 15 points. But then Matthew Hurt got 11. Vernon Carey got 11. Um, Alex O'Connell got 9. Cassius Stanley got 13. So you've got no Duke player with more than 15. Five players with somewhere between 9 and 15. And when I went into the Duke locker room afterward, I talked to Trey Jones about this. I talked to Jack White about this. I talked to Cassius Stanley about this. And they all, to a man, said, this is who we're going to be. Like, nobody's going to go out and get – 22 a game for us this season. It, some nights it'll be Cassius Stanley getting 19. Yeah. Other nights it's going to be Trey Jones getting 21. Other nights it's going to be Matthew Hurt, probably when he you know uh, flips in six three-pointers. Yeah. He's going to go out and get you know 25. But nobody uh, – the, the consensus seemed to be it will be surprising if anybody on this Duke team averages 20 points per game and also surprising if the top three or four scores on the team – aren't within a point or two or three of each other in terms of points per game averages. And I don't know if that's better or worse than just having two guys go out and do most of the, uh, the work. Like that whole Zion-RJ thing like worked pretty well. They were the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. But, but it is different. And I guess I'd say this. Um, I, I know everything Duke lost off of last season's team. Uh, top three scores, uh, three top ten picks for the top five scores from a team that, like I said, was the number one overall seed. And they didn't enroll stars like Zion and RJ or even like Cam Reddish. But this team we watched tonight for 40 minutes, um, they are deep, they're balanced, they're tough defensively, and they took a punch from Kansas over and over again and responded each time, and then they're really strong at that point guard position. Like Trey Jones was... You know, the one bounce pass he got to Cassius Stanley. Like, I don't know who else in the country can make that pass. Um, I don't know who else in the country can make the run Cassius Stanley made. I mean, I I went back, watched the highlight, paused it. When Trey Jones has got the ball and he's looking for Cassius running, there is a Kansas player even with Cassius, and then two players, he's got to get by them. Like, the three people basically even or more advanced than Cassius Stanley. He just outran all of them. And then Trey, bounce pass through a Kansas player's legs. Gorgeous looking play. Really just about as fun of a transition basket as you'll see. Um, They don't have the star power, but I do believe they're talented enough to, I don't want to go crazy, but yeah, maybe win the sixth national championship of Mike Krzyzewski's career. I'm not predicting it, but if the question is, is this Duke roster that lacks star power good enough to cut nets in April? My answer would be yes, I think it probably is.
1: Cassius Stanley could be the player that provides uh, the right kind of swagger, attack uh, that this team will wind up needing. Uh, I loved him on the grassroots circuit. Uh, wasn't super consistent, but he showed a lot here tuesday night uh that made me think that he would be a good fit when he originally committed to duke uh so for him to play the way that he did and step up was significant sheshevsky said afterward that uh we won because of trey and i do i definitely agree with that well
0: he's gonna say that a lot
1: he's gonna say that uh, maybe every game it it really might be every game i'll get to Trey in just a second but if stanley didn't play as well as he did i am not really convinced Duke even wins the game I think he was nearly as valuable if not just as valuable Um, but they got enough out of uh, enough guys uh, to win by committee I gotta see it even if they're claiming this is how it's going to be I gotta see it come to fruition I want to see where Duke is 12 14 games deep into the season if we look up and they've got four guys averaging between 11 and 14 a game it would be interesting if that happened and Trey Jones is actually the kind of point guard that I think can Uh, facilitate to let that happen in a natural way that would be good for Duke. Uh, But I still want to see now as let me let me stop you there
0: for one second, because um, I listen. Yes, let's take a wait and see approach. I'm happy to wait. But I did think it was interesting that they all made a point to bring that up like this is who we are. And then just like when you look at it from a distance, um, Trey Jones is an incredible point guard distributor. He, he's not just a go-get-his-own-basket guy. He's not a lead yeah. guard in the in the way that so many great lead guards are, both in college and NBA. He is looking to run an offense as opposed to get to the rim. He is a point guard like James Harden is a point guard, but they are vastly different point guards in approach and everything else. And then you look at the rest of the roster, who is the guy you just throw it to and go get buckets? Like, last year, RJ would just go get buckets whenever he wanted. Zion could go get buckets whenever he wanted. Like, if you remember, I think it's the first Virginia game where was Trey Jones hurt that game. Yeah, I think that was the shoulder. Yeah, so Trey Jones is hurt. First Virginia game. And all Duke did, not all Duke, almost all Duke did. They just ISO'd Zion and RJ. They just spread the floor out and, let, and said, Zion, go score. RJ, now it's your turn. Go score. Zion, now you go score. And I'm not asking you, who's the guy on this roster who can go do it like that? Because the answer is obviously nobody. But who's even the guy on the roster that you just throw it to and say, go get a bucket? So I really do think it's going to be a situation where, you know, one night Cassius Stanley's going to have big games like he did in this one, five of six from the field, because um, he's run sprinting and beating people down the court and Trey's getting the ball to him in transition. In that 10-1 run that Duke used to tie the game at 47, there were two of those, transition dunks where Cassius Stanley just beat everybody down the court. So one game it might really be him. Another game, Matthew Hurt is going to knock down I think four that five, he can three maybe
1: point. be that guy. I'm not convinced yet, but I think that he can maybe be that guy. Well,
0: I would assume that he's going to be so reliant on jump shots that sometimes he's going to make them and sometimes he's not, like most jump shooters in the world, especially at the college level. Vernon Carey, like I don't think you just throw it to him every time and tell him to no. go get buckets. He ain't that guy. And so I really do think it could be a deal where somebody averages – 16. Somebody else averages 14. Somebody else averages 12. Nine. I think I, I, I believe that is what it's going to look like.
1: It could well look like that. I want to see how Hurt and Stanley respectively evolve and and see what comes in the in the games to come. One note on Trey before we uh, close up shop here. I asked him, uh, you know, in the, in the locker room after I said, you know, when we spoke a year ago, you guys got that huge win over Kentucky. Uh, you're obviously all smiles, but you know, what was the difference then versus now, and did you have uh nerves or what was your approach to this game not just like when you woke up today but in the in the past few days or even the past week And what I found surprising was Trey Jones said that last year when he was the you know the fourth most heralded of all those freshmen and he was stepping into a situation where sure he was going to be asked to, to to start and produce he said the pressure on that he felt it like rattled him way more a year ago than tonight, and the reasons being, uh, because of the attention on the Duke class could be the best one ever. Because his brother, you know, obviously sure. Tyus played at Duke, and there was uh, a lot about the comparisons. He admitted, like, you know, I don't love the comparisons. I know they're unavoidable, but here, uh, even though he is the guy, and there is clearly so much more on him now than there was a year ago, that's not the way that he sees it. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting, and I thought a lot of that in retrospect showed, because Trey didn't have an an absolutely fantastic game, but he had as good of a game as they needed him to have. And I do think that when we're podcasting in February, Parish, and we're talking about Duke, wherever they are in the rankings, 1st, 5th, 12th, 17th, who knows where they'll be, I think that we'll come to find that more nights than not, a lot more nights than not, Trey Jones is going to have played at such a level that was required of him to ensure that Duke either got a win or stayed in a game that maybe it was expected to lose. So that was impressive overall. I came I came away impressed with uh with Trey Jones and what he was able to do and, and I was definitely I was just wrong about that game. I didn't I, I even tweeted I thought that Kansas should have Kansas really probably should have won by ten points, but the, the turnovers were massive and the and the point guard deficit behind Dotson was also a huge factor.
0: And if you want a, a hint of how important he is to what they do, thirty nine minutes he played. In that game, for some context, RJ Barrett played 35 per game last season. Zion played 30 per game last season. I don't know that you can keep Trae Jones on the court 39 minutes a game, and obviously they won't have to in some games because they'll um, they'll be comfortably ahead early, late, or at some point uh, in between. But an impressive first game for the the Duke Blue Devils, and I guess we'll wrap with this. Um, Obviously this shakes up the top 25 and 1. Michigan State was number 1 mm-hmm. and Michigan State is now 0 and 1 and I'm not uh, I'm not a Kimpom algorithm. I'm not just going to keep them um, right. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> right. I mean, you can. And by the way, as you're laying out what you're going to do, uh, just for the record, the two teams we saw lose tonight were the only two ranked teams that lost on Tuesday. And we didn't have, we didn't have a shortage of ranked teams that were in action. So in terms of shaking, up, yeah, the there rankings, were te- there were, as you yeah. realize, there's really not else. There's not room for movement really elsewhere in the polls. right. Um,
0: there were some ranked teams that got scared. Utah State got scared. Uh, St. Mary's was in a tight game with Wisconsin. Um, but but ultimately, uh, the teams that were supposed to win that had numbers next to their names, they won, uh, except for the teams in the Champions Classic. Yep. Uh, the higher-ranked teams lost both games, and I thought this was interesting. Um, Duke kind of, uh, This is Duke was the lowest-rated team in the building, mm-hmm. and that's the first time that's ever been the case. In, in, a Champions in the Champions how Classic? How about that? They've never been the lowest-rated team in the Champions Classic. They were, and yet they beat Kansas uh, in the opening game of the Champions Classic. So... Um, got to update the top. Yes, it's 2.20 in the morning. Still got to update the top 25 and 1 for in the morning.
1: I'm going to give a shout to Russ Steinberg right now, this moment right here, the SB Nation rider, because I apparently said I'd do it last year. We saw him. <laughs> gave us a little bit of grief. So you know what, Russ? Here's your damn shout at 2.20. By the way, I was walking to do a hit for HQ yesterday in the city. He was just like, Norlander, like a random street. he sees me. Kind of freaky. But you know what? I'm cool with it, Russ. No, no it
0: was fun walking or being – and that's, like, listen, I like the idea of moving the Champions Classic around, I guess, but man, it's nice when it's here. It's it's the best when it's here. It's best Let's when be it's real. here. It's best when it's here. The it garden is. was on fire, and then all not that, literally, but yes. And then all, it uh, would it really would have been incredible. that been garden, a hell of a The garden was on fire. If the garden was on fire. <laughs> that was <would've been laughs> actually, deal. we probably should have
1: led the podcast. But with like that if it walking
0: was. around New York City just today, and and also last night because I, you know, I got in. What's today? What is today? Today's, Today's Wednesday. Now it's Wednesday. I got in Monday and had to do... We talked about HQ. this already. Yeah. HQ interviews with Bill yeah. South. Tom Izzo. Um, but walking around the city, like, all around the garden in the, the, the bars, restaurant. It was just Kansas fans, Kentucky fans, Duke fans, Michigan State fans. And, yeah, I had... I think three different people stopped me just on the streets to shout out Devin I, Downey. I, I now listen, like, I, I'm not suggesting. Any, right, I'm right, not right. suggesting anything. <laughs> like, like it's not like I can't walk around New York City because I get. My, I'm walking here. <laughs> no, nobody cares. But like people, um, you had you had an incredible amount of college basketball fans in a in a pretty compacted place in Midtown Manhattan, and you felt that when you were walking around the city, you were bumping into people in Kentucky jerseys and and Duke jerseys, and uh, so shouts to. To all of them, everybody who uh, who took a chance to uh, – took an opportunity, uh, took a moment to, to say hello. So back to the top 25 and one. Sure. Um, preseason, I had Michigan State 1, Duke 2, Kentucky 3, um, Louisville 4, and Kansas 5. I will not keep Michigan State number one. Obviously, they just lost their 0 and 1. Uh, if I were just moving up based on, hey, the team in front of them lost, let's move everybody else up, it would be Duke number one and Kentucky number two. But um, I I think, I'm pretty sure, I'm definitely sure, I'm going to move Kentucky to number one and keep Duke number two. And the rationale would be um, pretty simple. Um, A, I think Kentucky was the most impressive team in the building. We watched two games, four teams, and I think Kentucky was the most impressive. Uh, B, they beat the number one team. Uh, It doesn't mean that if you beat the number one, you get to beat number one, but it's easy to justify um, if you do it. C, if I keep if I move Duke to one and Kentucky to two and Kentucky goes to number one in the AP poll, Kentucky fans will be messing up my mentions nonstop. Oh, you love that. I got no interest in that. Um, so I'll go Kentucky number one. I'll keep Duke number two. And it is hilarious to me because every preseason, literally every preseason, when we rank Kentucky and Duke, wherever we rank Kentucky or Duke, and it's going to usually be high. Unless it's Matt Norlander's rankings, then he might have Duke number ten. That's in, correct. <laughs> in the one to three fifty-three, that but but the rest of the world, let's, let's
1: just play out this season a while <laughs> longer. The huh?
0: rest of us, the rest of us have Kentucky <laughs> and Duke, um, very very high every single preseason and every single preseason. The thing I hear most often is, "Oh God, overrating Duke again." Oh God, overrating Kentucky again. Um, and now you look up, and at least for my purposes, in the top twenty-five and one on the second day of the regular season, when folks wake up. Um, Kentucky will be number one, and Duke will be number two, and I think that's probably at this point in the season, the way it ought to be.
1: We told these poor people they'd have a podcast at 2 a.m. We've actually heard from some of you who said you were going to wait up until 2 a.m. After I I got a tweet, I got a
0: tweet from a gentleman who, because we were joking about like, listen, people in Japan couldn't listen to it. Like, we might need to do a Rui Rui Hachimori segment to keep them interested. I got a tweet from a guy who actually is in japan <laughs> and oh, so he is yeah. fired up and he is ready to uh to God, listen I'm to the i college basketball podcast so um with that let's let,
1: get let's get out of here by the way just a quick note i'm going to provided i can make it there i'm going to be at virginia at syracuse tonight because it is wednesday and then we will pod again. The next pod will be Friday. So if anything notable happens from that, in between here and there, just uh, just a heads up on the reporting end of things. I'm making the scoot up to Syracuse. See the reigning national champs open on the road. That almost never happens in college basketball. So we'll see what Virginia can do. And, yeah, close up this battle. And I've got
0: a 7 a.m. wake-up call for an early flight back home. So if I happen to bump into you, if you're a Michigan State fan, Kentucky fan, Kansas fan, or Duke fan, at LaGuardia earlier in the morning, and I look like I haven't slept, it's going to be because I haven't slept. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. And Teagle. He's the legend. Shouts to Larnell. And please go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. That's the best place to do it to ensure you get these episodes in your phone ASAP. Rate it favorably while you're there. Five stars, nice comments. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday. No, we won't. Will we? It
1: is Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday. It it's 226. We will talk to you on again Friday? on Friday. Yes. Till then, take care. Good job, Norlander.
0: Thanks for handling that. I
1: figured.
2: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.